Welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast from Wales Online. Hi, it's Ben here. Just a quick note before this week's Welsh Rugby Podcast. This podcast was recorded while the uh, Principality Stadium roof was set to be open. So if you're wondering why we are referencing uh, the, the wet weather as much as we do, we have cut as much uh, talk about the roof out, but there is still uh, the odd bit of um, wet weather referencing. So that's the reason behind that. Just a quick note to let you guys know. Uh, and now you can stop listening to me talking about the podcast and start listening to me and Simon talk about rugby. Hello and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast by Wales Online, brought to you by Gulliver's Sports Travel. I'm Ben James, and today I'm joined by our rugby writer, Simon Thomas. Uh, good afternoon, Simon. Good afternoon. Here we are in the... Uh Vale Resort, which is where it is based, and we're in the conservatory. So it was very much like an episode of Cluedo, or seen from Cluedo. It was uh, Rob Howley in the conservatory with the microphone. Obviously, Tuesday was the team announcement, and um, what, what did you make of the 15 that were selected? Um, 23, rather. I think most of it is probably what, what people expected. I must admit, I, I saw Bradley Davis coming in at four. I was a bit surprised at that, especially with what we just talked about, about the, the front five power being so important. Um, Bradley's a, he's bulked up, he's formed a really powerful second row partnership uh, with Alan Wynne-Jones the Ospreys, he looks back close to his best and yet Wales are stuck with Corey Hill now Warren Gatlin has repeatedly praised Corey Hill, talked about him being one of the most improved players in the Welsh team he played against South Africa, he's been part of the setter where Bradley wasn't involved in the autumn, he's stuck with him uh, you know, but Bradley will be there straining at the leash, able to bring his bulk on in the, in some point in the game and then the other talking point of course um, Two talking about Reese Patchell getting the nod over Gareth Anscombe at 10. Yep. We've talked about Reese as well, so it'll be his first Six Nations start at 10. Big opportunity for him with Dan Bigger and Reese Priestland both are injured. And I guess the other one um, really is, is the debut on the wing for Josh Adams. Uh, couldn't have done much more. It's a great story. Uh, released by the Scarlets after just one appearance for them in an Anglo-Welsh Cup game. Went to Worcester, ended up on loan at Cinderford, playing against the likes of... Uh, uh, I think Wharfdale uh, and Antill in I think, Division 1 South quite National, late, National League National, 1 isn't it yeah. National League 1 something like that so you know for him to sort of turned it around he got his chance at Worcester and hasn't looked back the tries have flowed and he's, and he's here and he's in the side and everything I hear from the Welsh management um, is how impressed they've been him on the field he's a confident young man and he'd be ready to take his chance and how lovely is it that you've got um, two classmates uh, from Clenetley Australia story, School uh, him and Steph Evans on the wing together we got all these lovely pictures of them a few years back so you never know what's around the corner in your life do you Benjamin? No you do not well that's what you had to say on Josh Adams you've also got Warren Gatlin's uh, opinion which we'll listen to now No he's, he's done well he's uh, top try scorer in the premiership he's so um, and probably the advantage that he's had over the other other guys that he's been playing regularly um, you know, Lee Halfpenny hasn't played a lot of rugby. Steph Evans has been out for a, for a few weeks as well. Um, Helen Amos hasn't had much rugby. Um, so, you know, the fact that he's been playing on a, on a regular basis, he's been scoring tries, and he, he gets a great opportunity to, to stake a claim. And you know, he's a right winger as well, so um, you know, there's a great chance for him. Yeah, we've just been having a, a look at him you know, recently. Obviously, the fact that he's been starting regularly for, for Worcester and the fact that he's been scoring tries in a team that... You know, he's not at the top of the at the table, so you know he's got to take a lot of credit from that. And in terms of the performance, he's played a little bit of fullback too. So, um, and we've been impressed with him the last couple of weeks since he's been in camp. So, you know, it's a great great opportunity for him to to make sit you know make a mark. So interesting stuff uh, from Warren Gatland on Josh Adams. Um, 
it, it, it's, a, it's an interesting back three, isn't it? If you think about it, you've got Steph Evans, who's still very green at this level, Josh Adams' first cap. And then it's balanced by, I suppose, the almost dependable now, Lee Halfpenny. Yeah, I've been talking to a couple of people in the Welsh camp about the back three because it's an interesting one there. And if you look at it, you've got Stefan Evans, who hasn't played for a month because of a suspension he picked up for the sending off on Boxing Day. Lee Halfpenny missed a few games recently through injuries, been on the bench, not played an awful lot of rugby. And then also in the squad, you've got Liam Williams, who's rehabbing, so he's not, he's not in the frame for this weekend. And then the other two people who might have been in the frame, George North and Hallam Amos, They've had very little rugby recently. Hallam's not played, I think, since Boxing Day himself. George North has had the one out team was supposed to come back last week, hasn't. So they're both short of game time. So I think that's been a big factor in Josh Adams starting because Josh has had a lot of match. He played last weekend as well. He's played a lot of rugby over the last few months. He's match ready. So if you look at it with Steph Evans and Lee Hartley, they wouldn't want to go in with those two and either Amos or North. We'll have three back three members who all have virtually no game time. So Absolutely. I think that's been a big factor in why Josh Adams is there. He's got his opportunity. And then what you've got is this week, George North is playing for Northampton. Hallam Amos, we're told, is quite close. So there'll be probably one or two more options for the Scotland game. But for now, certainly game time is a big factor. Yeah, I suppose, I suppose the other thing is, with, with two wings like that, Josh Adams, Steph Evans, you get the impression that Finn Russell is going to pepper them with kicks. Well, there are two big um, wingers on the, the flank for Scotland in Tommy Seymour and McGuigan uh, from, from Sale. There's few, few better in the air than Tommy Seymour, isn't Yeah, there? I mean, if you look at um, in the past Royal Scotland's game, Russell's chip balls to uh, Finn Russell have been very effective. Byron McGuigan, I thought, was very good when he brought in late uh, in the autumn. So they're big, strong carrying men who would be good in the air. So physically, that will be a test for Steph Evans and Josh Adams. Um, it's quite a small, physically small back three. Certainly, by Will standards, and we've been so used to over the years to have been sort of uh, Samson and Goliath on the wings in uh, in, in North, uh, and uh, also Alice Cuthbert. So it's a different shaped back three. It reminds me of the the Wales back three in the 2005 Grand Slam when we had Shane Williams, Kevin Morgan, and uh, Reese Williams at one point. Now that was a that was a Diddy Men back three, and we've got another diminutive one now, but one with quite a bit of pace in it. And that is something that perhaps Wales have lacked. But then again, if it's going to rain all day when the roof's open, it, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> they won't see much of the ball. We'll get on to um, someone who could matter in the rain, and that is Rhys Patchell. We mentioned him briefly. Uh, before we talk about him, uh, Rob Howley has been speaking about him today, and this is what he had to say about the new Wales fly half. Uh, well, having watched Rhys early on, uh, I think he's played uh, 11 games for the Scarlets outside half. I know only in the last sort of couple of weeks he's played at 15 uh, like he did out in Wellington uh, against New Zealand uh, we want Reese on the ball as often as possible uh, he's got skills in the backfield uh, as a primary decision maker he's able to uh, kick pass and run and that's the challenge it's about controlling the game on the weekend and I think that's the biggest uh, uh, challenge and what we're looking forward to Reese is to uh, play the game on his terms and making the right decisions at first receive and I'm sure in terms of the experience he's got inside and outside of him as combinations uh, that will be uh, you know, a little easier for Reese, uh, knowing those voices uh, and trusting those calls from the outside having played so often with each other and uh, I think that can only be a good thing So interesting stuff there from uh, Rob Harris. I suppose the, the, the big quote there is, is that he wants Reese Patchell to be on the ball as much as possible. Yeah, I mean, and the other thing he stressed there as well is how much he's played at outside half 
probably in the last 18 months, if you look at it. I mean, Gareth Anscombe, they were told it was a tight call between him and uh, him and Rees. Um, Owen Williams, obviously, I think this pretty much not come in the equation, largely because he had to go back to England for a fair chunk of the preparation period, counted against him. Uh, Anscombe has come back since the groin injury um, and has, you know, played some nice cameos in particular played well um, at fullback against Toulouse in the Challenge Cup and has done some nice things but if you look inconsistently over an 18 month period you know Reese Patchell ironically enough left the Blues because, because Gareth Anscombe was there as much as anything he wanted to play 10 and with Anscombe on the books they couldn't guarantee him the 10 jersey he's gone to the Scarlets to play 10 has played 10 has worked his way into the Wales team he's now the Wales number 10 it's his opportunity and he is a player who's absolutely on the top of his game in terms of confidence. He's trying things. Now, the interesting thing, which everyone's asking, you've got 9, 10, 12, 13 Scarlets. 14 Scarlets, 15, or pull-back and win, yeah. Steph Evans. So it's, it's virtually a, a Scarlets... And an uh, ex-Scarlet, effectively, and, and, Josh Adams. And an ex-Scarlet. So, but are they going to play the Scarlets <laughs> way? And again, the rain's going to come down anyway. So, yeah. But, I mean, it'd be interesting to see what the message to Rhys Patchell. Will he be asked, certainly, again, if, it's a, if it is a wet day with the roof open, is he going to be asked to play more of a kicking territorial game? And let's see what he brings there. Uh, but I, I'm glad to see him get the opportunity. He's worked really hard at his game. I've seen him, I remember watching him as a... He's a schoolboy playing for us called Glan Tarford, fullback. Who's that kid? He looks up something about him. Followed his progress through his early days at Cardiff Blues. Now with the Scarlets. He's a genuine, hard-working kid. He's got a lot of ability. I, I really hope it goes well for him. And if it goes well for him, it'll go well for Wales. Well, I suppose the, the, the good thing is, as, as you mentioned, is that he is playing in effectively an all-Scarlets backline. You know, he's got Gareth Davis inside him. Hadley Parks, Scott Williams outside him. I suppose that does help him. Yeah, Hadley's only got one cap, but in terms of experience and know-how, he's been around the block. Yeah. I mean, Hadley's a and he's a good talker on the field. We all hear he he makes the right calls when he's got the ball, and no doubt he'll help make Spatchel make the right calls outside him. And it'll be a case if there's any rubbish, I'll have it, Reece, You know, and I suppose I, I asked Rob Howley about this whole idea of what they're looking for from the twelve in the, in the autumn. They went much more with a second playmaker, second fly half. You know, in Williams at twelve, they've gone for slightly different option now although obviously they, they played with uh, with uh, Hadley Parks at 12 against South Africa um, the difference with Hadley is that he does in conditions like this have the ability to hit it up as well but then also make the right decision through boot and through hand and he'll be a really really sort of lovely kind of not comfort, comfort blanket but just somebody outside him if Rhys Patchell's in any doubt at any time Hadley Parks will be there and he'll make the yeah. right calls for him and uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of his. Um, it's funny, he hardly made a mistake for three years he was in <laughs> Wales. All went perfect. Played against South Africa, two games, uh, two tries. And after that, he almost had a little bit of a falling away. Um, but uh, And was actually left out for the game against Bath. What's going on here? I think uh, Paul Asquith was actually picked to play instead of him in the centre. Injuries yep. in intervened. He ended up playing against Bath, playing us too long. Got his mojo back. Been in fantastic form those last two games. And now he's flying into the Six Nations. It's funny how it works. But, uh, yeah, there will be a familiarity to the midfield, and I think that will be absolutely crucial, especially with someone, as you say, in that pivotal number 10 position, making their first Six Nations start. I suppose it's interesting, you, you talked, you, you know, you asked Rob Howley about Wales going away from that second receiver, and he stressed that both Parks and Scott Williams can play that role, and maybe that's a role that we haven't seen Scott Williams ever really play for Wales. He, when he plays for the Scarlets, he's got a wonderful range of passing, but sometimes for Wales, you feel he, he's, 
he's almost in Jamie Roberts' shadow, effectively, as, as, the, as, as the heir to the crash ball centre sometimes. Yeah, I mean, I think there, was, there have been times when he's essentially been asked to play as a small Jamie Roberts. Yeah. Well, it's not very easy being a small <laughs> Jamie Roberts, is it? Uh, and, yeah, he hasn't perhaps played to his full strength. I would say, but Scott, if you, if you think of he was left out of the autumn squad originally, got called in then when Tyler Morgan pulled out with his ankle injury, uh, and ended up playing, starting the last three tests... And there were some question marks over will he get the call for that New Zealand game. But what he showed, as he has done for a lot of his career, is on he produces big games on the big occasions. He rises to those occasions. Did it against New Zealand with a try. I think he scored a try also against South Africa. He's got a good strike rate for Wales. And this is a big occasion again. And he's been playing well for the Scarlets. He works, works well with Hadley Parks in midfield. I think he could be a key man for Wales it's, because it's interesting Scotland have gone for this, this midfield partnership um, Hugh Jones and Chris Harris No, I've not seen a lot of Chris Harris we were talking about him in the office earlier I've seen him a couple of times for Newcastle strong defender but quite new to the international yeah. stage uh, I mean, that's a really interesting battle going up there I thought they might have gone for, maybe for Peter Hall or for, or for Grigg, the, the Edinburgh player but they've gone for Harris who's renowned for his defensive solidity whether that's possibly reaction to Parks being a 12, reaction to, the, to that more physical challenge, but that midfield battle would be interesting, and you know, the carrying game is going to be so important in those conditions. I suppose the one thing you could say for Chris Harris is if you look at Newcastle's midfield, they've got a lot of sort of big name, big money players, and he's, he's keeping them out. Um, Maxi Memos is Memos is though, yeah. It's interesting because um, I think if you look at the way Scotland have played, they've certainly looked to play a fluid game. Uh, but maybe, if it is going to be the conditions we expect, maybe having like a more, a more solid presence as well might work for them. You know? Although I think he's going to play at 13, we see. How it will work would be interesting yeah. whether they swap it around. Because I always saw Hugh Jones as more of an outside-breaking 13, a uh, lovely player. I'm looking forward to watching him as well. You know, him against Scott Williams uh, you know, or, or against Hadley Parks. That's a good little contest there. It absolutely is. Um, and we'll move on to the, from the back to probably the, the stars of the show, if this roof... Gate continues, and that's the the forwards. Um, and we'll start at the front row. It's an all scarlet front row. Uh, before we talk about quite a historic moment for the region, uh, we'll get the thoughts of uh, Ken Owens on that. That's a big thing for the region. I guess 1891, the last time three players from Snaffy or the scarlet region have started. So um, yeah, you know it's a huge honour for us as a as a you know a unit to play week in week out with each other at the scarlet. But I think. Um, reason that perhaps hasn't happened is, is due to the form of other players within the squad and uh, that's the depth that we've got in the front row at the moment, you know, Lou said you've got Rob, Wynn and Nicky and then tight dead you've got uh, Franny and uh, you know, Samson who are really pushing each other and, and it's great to have uh, that competition and, in, and a, at the hooking spot as well so you know, it, it is a nice thing to have, um, we've gone well as a unit over the last uh, month or so, uh, the Scarlet and that's probably Edge. Gas's decision uh, to pick the three of us, but we've got to deliver now at uh, at the top level. So that was Ken Owens' view. I think it's the first time since 1891. I didn't cover that game. That was good. Get out of the way. And the roof was definitely open that day. Um, Alton Ethley front row. Yeah, I think um, I think one of the biggest pluses for Wales over the last two months has been the return to fitness and form of uh, Samson Lee. Uh, he's had this ongoing Achilles problem. It's something that dates back to when he actually ruptured it a couple of years ago. And it, I think it was a bit of scar tissue issue and he was finding problems with it. He didn't play during the autumn. If you think about it for a, for a, a tight head scrummaging prop, at the scrum time, so much weight and power goes through that Achilles. It needs to be right. 
it does seem that he's now got it right again. Um, he's played really well for the Scarlet and Reese Meek. Their scrum has been strong, and as a unit, it, it was it was a kind of a no-brainer. Gatlin has talked about combinations. You've gone for combinations in the midfield of the Scarlets, and you've gone for combinations in the front row. They know each other's game so well. Rob Evans, Ken Owen, Samson Lee. It's a mighty, uh, mighty sort of uh, scrummaging unit. Almost back to the uh, before your time, Ben. Back to the days of the Pontypool yeah, front row. Yeah. Um, but it, you can't beat units in forwards. They know they know how they go, and they will they will look to take it to Scotland. Scotland, as you said, missing six or seven. Uh, front rowers. Uh, they've got John Welsh of Newcastle uh, in the front row, along with Gordon Reid uh, and uh, McAnally and uh, Hooker. They've got very much inexperience. Well, they've got inexperience and a 36-year-old on the bench covering <laughs> yeah. the front row. So I think Wills will look to target that area. Um, Ken's a strong man in the scrum. He's, he's Ken Owens. Just listening to him talk today, he's such a solid pair of hands. Yes. I mean, everything he does answers all the questions right. Talk properly, talk well about what went wrong last year in Scotland, a few errors, cost Wales. I think there's a real determination. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that Scarlet's unit up front is going to be absolutely crucial to the game. And there is then power to come off the bench. Win Jones had a great autumn scrummage really well. Huge scrum against Georgia. Elliot D, a dynamic man to come off the bench. And also um, Thomas Francis, who's you know, got a lot of experience now, good strong man to come on. So that whole front row area could be a real area of dominance for us, fingers crossed. Well, you mentioned it there briefly, and, and it was a recurring theme today, Ken Owens and Rob Howley, mentioning what exactly went wrong with last year's defeat. Hamish Watson. Hamish Watson. Hamish Watson, yeah, that was Hamish Watson went wrong, went right for Scotland. I suppose, I suppose you know, it, is, it, is, it was Wales's first defeat against Scotland since 2007, but it's just that, it's that intricate detail, you know, they will not forget that, will they? No, they were. I mean, they were actually. I think we had memory serves me right. We had Moriarty and Tip, uh, sorry, it was Warburton and Tipperick were both playing. It was two fantastic sevens, and yet it was the lesser light, the lesser known, lesser heralded Hamish Watson. Just had a fantastic game. And I think uh, memory serves me right. There was a change. I think John Hardy started, and there was a change because of injury. And Hamish Watson just took the game by the scruff of the neck, and uh, caused Wills all kinds of problems. Um, Got Barkley as well involved this week. It was a menace. Uh, the menaces, yeah. all right. Conal Dupree's a big back row carrier. Yeah, that breakdown's going to be absolutely crucial. And if you look at what Wales have done, they've gone for a seven in Josh Navidi, who clearly his greatest strength is probably his ball carrying. He's absolutely fearless as a carrier. He will always, he'll carry the ball into the biggest bloke on the pitch. He'll look to tackle the biggest bloke on the pitch. Uh, ironic because he has virtually no care for his well-being. It never gets injured. He's just no touch wood. Uh, just, I mean, and you know, his, he got his opportunity in the autumn because there was a mass injuries on the open side. Took it. Waited so many years for the chance. Really took the chance. You know, and as Gatlin said, deserved to retain the, the berth. And he's retained it, even though you've had Justin Tipperick, James Davis, and Ellis Jenkins all returning to the form. You know, hugely competitive area. All three of whom are real jackal experts. Absolutely. Probably yeah. not the greatest part of uh, Josh Navidi's game. Um, so that would be interesting whether Wales can compete there. So I think physically they will look to try and target Watson uh, and Barkley as a unit of the contact area, try and clear them off the ball vigorously and physically. Um, and then, of course, it, one would imagine, especially with Ross Moriarty having had pretty limited game time, he might go for a 50-55 minute shift, and then we can change it round, and when the game yeah. loosens up a bit, you bring Tipperick on at seven, Navidi goes to eight, where he's a lot of experience at Cardiff Blues, and it becomes a different kind of game then. There's lots of nuances and, uh, and intrigue to it, uh, and I think that back row jackal breakdown battle is going to be absolutely crucial. 
It always is, isn't it? Um, and then in the second row, it's Alan Wynne Jones and Corey Hill. I did an analysis piece this week looking at how Wales can emulate the Scarlets, which um, was probably a thankless task, to be honest. But I suppose the, the big thing that came out of it, I noticed, is just how crucial Tadburn and David Bulbring are. Like, if you look at Tadburn's try against Bath, the two forwards who are always in close support, always giving the pass, it's Bulbring and Byrne. Can Alan Wynne-Jones and Corey Hill be that link between the front five and the backs? Well, well it's, been, it's been the big talk, hasn't it? Since they came back from New Zealand in 2016, it's been an epiphany tour for them. <laughs> All the talk has been about encouraging ball handling from five play. Alan Wynne-Jones has certainly brought more of a dimension to that to his game. Yes. And the one we're seeing it from more than anybody is Rob Evans. Yeah. If you watch the way he played against Australia, we talked about dual playmakers. It was like a, a trio of playmakers. The number of times he touched the ball, absolutely incredible. And I think he'll play that role. But again, you know, we keep coming back to these conditions. And it does make you think how mad it is that the roof is going to be open, really, because it's going to dictate the game. And in a way, damage it as a spectacle, you know. So it's probably not going to be a day. For all we talk about, can we emulate the Scarlet's way? Well, it's not really going to be a day for offloading and flicking them out the back, is it, really? It's going to be up the jumper and straight forward. So a bit less of an issue. But, um, yeah... I think that's interesting to see, but I mean, with Bradley Davis as well, probably not renowned for his ball handling. If, you, if you're going to go down that route, well, the man you want to be some, perhaps giving a bit of game time in the Six Nations is Seb Davis. Absolutely. Because he's, he, I watched him play as a kid for uh, Penn Turk, and he played in the centre, the big centre, um, and he's got the hands of a back, you know, and uh, he's got all the footballing ability. It's unfortunate with Seb, in the autumn, he, he only had the one outing at eight, which really isn't his position. He's actually playing there for Cardiff Blues this weekend, interestingly enough. Um, he's in the squad, he's back playing there for them to get some game time. But he's been ill, you see, over, uh, since Christmas. He had a nasty yeah. bug, he was out for three or four weeks, flu, flu bug. Um, so I, I'd like to see him come into the equation, because if you're going to play that way, and perhaps Argentina tour this summer will be a chance to give him some more game time. Because if we want to play that way, he's the kind of player we need to get into the situation more. Definitely. I think we've put the Wales squad to rights there. Um, so yeah, we'll finish off with a prediction. Uh, which I'd hoped you were going to forget that. It's quite hard, to be honest, because really we, we look outside now and it's all nice and sunny, oh. but that will change by oh. Saturday. I think the winner will be the weather. <laughs> and as a result of the weather being the winner, I think Wales will be the winner. That yeah, makes there sense. We go. Wales by five points with Lee Halfpenny's boot being... We haven't spoken about him. We have not. Well, but as, briefly, yeah. briefly, as Warren Gatlin said, when I said to him, might you consider Reese Patchell or Gareth Anscombe at uh, fullback, I asked him last week, he said, oh, might do, and then proceeded to talk about how important it is to have a proven international goal kicker, especially with Dan Biggerout. You knew at that point Lee Halfpenny is going to be uh, in the side. And for all that, he's been criticised and people have questioned his place in terms of what he brings in an attacking sense. This could be a day when he really decides the outcome because it could come down to penalties, scrums, yep. mistakes, errors, penalties. Lee Halfpenny, Wales win. Thank you very much. There we go. Nice positive ending to finish on. Uh, that's all for the podcast today. If you've liked it, you can subscribe on iTunes and uh, download it there. And Leave a rating uh, and like. Like it, review, like it lots. Whatever you want. But that's all for the podcast now. Uh, you can catch all the latest news and updates on the Wales Scotland game on Wales Online.